Giving Thanks, a Native American morning message. To be a human being is an honor. We offer thanksgiving for all the gifts of life. Mother Earth, we thank you for giving us everything we need. Thank you, deep blue waters around Mother Earth, for you are the force that takes thirst away from all living things. We give thanks to the green grasses that feel so good against our bare feet, for the cool beauty you bring to Mother Earth's floor. Thank you, good food from Mother Earth, our life sustainers, for making us happy when we are hungry. Fruits and berries, we thank you for your color and sweetness. We are all thankful for good medicine herbs, for help, for healing us when we are sick. Thank you, all animals in the world, for keeping us, for keeping our precious forests clean. All the trees in the world, we are thankful for your shade, warmth, that you give us. Thank you, all the birds in the world. We sing for singing your beautiful song for all to enjoy. We give thanks to you, gentle four winds, for bringing us clean air to breathe from, for, from the four directions. Thank you, Grandfather Thunder Beings, for bringing us rain to help all living things grow. Elder Brother Sun, we send you thanks for shining your light and warmth and warming Mother Earth. Thank you, Grandmother Moon, for growing full every month to light the darkness for our children and sparkling water. We give you thanks, twinkling stars, for making the night sky so beautiful and for sprinkling morning dew on the planet. Spirit protectors of our past and present, we thank you for showing us the ways to live in peace and in harmony with others. And most of all, thank you, Great Spirit, for giving us these wonderful gifts so we will be happy, healthy every day and every night. Our theme is uh, the gift of mystery that we came up with uh, together. A little girl asked her mother, uh, how did the human race begin? The mother answered, well, many years ago, God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and so all humankind was made and came from them. And later the girl asked her father the same question. And the father answered, well, many years ago, there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The confused girl returned to her mother and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God and Adam and Eve, and and then... Dad said that they developed from monkeys. And mother answered, well, that's very simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his side of the family. Thank you. The story of Adam and Eve uh, has many and, and varied interpretations. It is interesting that the forbidden fruit, so to speak, is the tree of knowledge, knowledge of good and evil. Some scholars perceive it as the knowledge of everything from good to evil. The tree perhaps was desired to make one wise. What was the original intention of this ancient story? Why is it? called the tree of knowledge, in another passage, the tree of life. Is it about, were there people who came up with this story, writing about people always wanting more, even though they have plenty? Is that our nature? 
Innocence becomes lost. Judgments come into the world. They now know that they are naked. They didn't know that before. It comes with the knowledge. Is omniscience meant only for this divine, this God? Does human knowledge have limitations, even dangers? When people built the Tower of Babel, Babel, to reach heaven, to know God, and to make a name for themselves, the story says God scattered them over the face of the earth and confused their language. Is this another story about human limitations and the impossibility of knowing everything, and even perhaps the so-called evil of trying? Do we want it all? I believe such stories are metaphors from the writers to understand that our own human condition, well over 3,000 years ago, historians cite these stories from the priestly, what's called the priestly or Elohim traditions. It could be a mystery still for us today as to exactly what their message was, unless it was indeed to say that humanity is finite and limited, and only God, so-called God, is otherwise. Even in our windows here with the Beatitudes, this window here expresses, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, poor is not like a financial poor in the Greek word patokai, but it means perhaps one way of defining it would be humble. Blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then in another window here, we have, of course, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The Apostle Paul said that our knowledge is imperfect and our prophecy is imperfect. We can only see in a mirror dimly. We only know in part. In this same passage, Paul emphasizes love over knowledge by concluding that even though our knowledge is limited, there remains faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of all of these The greatest of everything remains love. Love remains the ultimate good and goal. The pursuit of knowledge and wisdom is, of course, good. I think we are people who innately want to learn. It's part of our human nature. We want to know, perhaps not always everything, but how to live better. Our essential attainment, as stated in both, I believe, in Leviticus and in our Gospels, reiterated, love God and our neighbor as ourself. Whatever image you might have of this God, love God and our neighbor as ourself. I saw, I was sent in one of the emails, those church signs, maybe some of you have seen them, that churches have these boards outside. Usually they're in the southern part of the country and by Baptist churches sometimes. This one I thought was really good because it has to do with the golden rule or treating others. And it says, tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. (laughs) I don't even know how to tweet, but tweet others. (laughs) Theodore Roosevelt said that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Those who think they know everything will learn nothing. It is evil when someone or a group of people or a culture believe their knowledge 
is perfect, absolute, superior to another person or culture. It's evil. Again, judgment, extreme judgment arises. This has happened throughout history. It's called war. ISIS is our current extreme evil example. Our knowledge in the field of science has progressed and has served our lives extremely well. Medicine is one example. But our knowledge of religion and God, I don't think, has progressed quite as well. It has progressed in some circles. I think that the chapel is part of one of those progressive circles. But in too many, it has not. I would say it is religious progress when a person or a culture or religion fully realizes their limitations of knowing God or ultimate reality. Even in empirical science, we know that the more we learn, the more questions arise. In the ethereal and often ineffable world of religion, the need to be intellectually humble is paramount, if not crucial. To relax in this mystery of this universe and the human mind, I think, becomes the gift of mystery. Personally, I think we should all learn as much about religion or spirituality as we can. And we should know about our own faith as well as other faiths and other religions. That's what this chapel was based on. But again, it is in this learning that we also realize a greater reality of spiritual mystery. It is in our knowing that we more fully recognize human humility, limitations, and mystery. The paraphrase from the Tao Te Ching is one of my favorite quotes. And I think I understand it a little bit, but not completely, but that's the point. The quote is, those who think they know do not know. It is only those who know that they don't know who know. (laughs) The very first statement of the Tao Te Ching is that the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. I would also compare that by inserting God. The God who can be named and told is not the eternal God. Perhaps not even writing out the name of God is part of the way of more deeply respecting this ineffable God, as I believe is a practice of many Jewish faiths. This past spring, I attended a study at a church in Virginia and was introduced to a new book by Peter Enns, E-N-N-S, a professor with Master's of Divinity degree and a Master of Arts and a Ph.D. from Harvard. He's got a lot of knowledge, (laughs) but the name of his book is called The sin of certainty. The sin of certainty. He's also been expelled from his Presbyterian seminary, I might add. (laughs) It is subtitled, Why God Desires Our Trust More Than Our Correct Beliefs or Orthodoxy. I would concur that religious certainty could be really considered a sin, especially when it is projected onto others. Pema Chodron, a Buddhist nun, wrote another book recently entitled, Living beautifully with uncertainty and change. Living beautifully with it. That's the gift. Great title. Personally, I have said quite often, I am dogmatically opposed to dogmatism. (laughs) I would also add, uh, personally, 
But I have been trying to pursue as much knowledge about religion and a little psychology as I can throughout my life. I worked very hard in school and would often say that if I had to choose between completing a term paper or sacrificing a limb in exchange, I would think about it. I'm grateful, however, for my education, but I would quickly add the same adage that the more I have learned, the more I realize I really do not know. I think one has to be open to diligently learning to learn that you can only learn so much. I went into school to become smarter, but I left school with a much greater humility and realization that there is so much more. I'm most grateful this Thanksgiving that I no longer need to know it all, as I thought probably I did at one time. I can relax. I'm retired. I thank God for the reality and gift of mystery. It is a greatness that ultimate reality transcend is transcendent. But we're part of it. I have a cartoon about a man climbing up a mountain to reach a guru with the answer to all of life. He finally gets there and sees a guru and says, what is it all about? And the guru, of course, replies that the hokey pokey is really what it's all about. (laughs) Jeannie gave me this sign. I keep it in my home office, which states, what if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? As you know, we do the hokey pokey every Easter on top of the mountain. But this is actually uh, true. What if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? You see, the reason that is because the word hokey pokey is a derivative by the person who came up with this song. From the, he took it from the word hocus pocus or magic or mystery. So what is life all about? mystery. Hocus pocus. Hokey pokey. That's really what it's all about. So let us thank God for the reality and gift of mystery. Relax, trust life, love one another, be at peace. Amen. Emily. I don't know how I can follow the hokey pokey. We can all do the hokey pokey. (laughs) We've done it. We are all familiar with, um, likely, with the idea that the only true certainties in this life are death and taxes. Sort of a depressing statement, I guess. But we, as human beings, really crave certainty. We write and we plan. We join together with those we love to plan for the future. We try to save for the future, nest egg for retirement, for the ability to help those we love in the future and, God willing, for those who will come after us. We eat healthy, we exercise, we reassure our children, we try to give them education and a variety of experiences to help them grow and learn and eventually so they can chart their own course for a future they'll plan themselves with those they love. But of course, when we think about it, there is no real certainty about any aspect of our lives, health, prosperity, professional success, power, weather, national and international events. We can imagine what tomorrow probably will bring, but we're not able to claim we know with certainty what tomorrow 
definitely will bring. Uncertainty is the norm of human existence. Judaism, Christianity, in many ways it seems most religions and spiritual traditions, this is one of the ways we navigate the uncertainties of life. They give us a framework that help us that helps us to understand how to live, how to be in relationship, how to relate to the divine, no matter what tomorrow brings. And religion, our spiritual traditions, help us to live purposefully and to create meaning in the face of uncertainty, or perhaps at times because of uncertainty. All too often, it seems that what people do and say in the name of religion takes the form of unwavering, vehement certainty, that there is a singular religious truth, that there is a singular literalistic way of reading ancient non-literal scripture and religious texts, that obedience to the letter of the law of religion with absolute certainty that it is the pure and impermeable word of God comes before the spirit of the law one of the values that our faith traditions teach us to live by. How vocal, how visible, how present is this minority who claim to have that singular certain truth? How sad it makes me that religion is used in this way, that these claims are made in the name of religion. I am of the belief that the point of our faith traditions is not to give us certainty, but to help us navigate uncertainty with bravery and strength of character. Not to remove uncertainty, but to give us comfort to live in it and to walk through it. The Torah, the five books of Moses, teaches what is hidden belongs in the realm of Adonai, our God, But what is clearly revealed is that we and our descendants are to live the path of the teaching of God. And the Talmud, the key code of Jewish law that was codified in about the year 400 or 500 of the Common Era, teaches what has been hidden by heaven, why are you curious to attempt to decipher? In Hebrew scriptures, our shared scripture, time and again our ancestors were called upon to step into uncertainty, to have the courage to pioneer, to take the road less traveled, to step out from the known into that which they could not even imagine. Adam and Eve left the garden. Noah stepped out of the ark after the flood. Abraham and Sarah left everything they had known to go to a land they'd never seen. Rebecca leaves her family and all she knows to marry Isaac, sight unseen. Joseph found his way out of slavery and learned a new culture until he became a leader. And the Israelites in the days of Moses journeyed forth into the wilderness, their only signpost, a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. To step from the known into the unknown to journey from the comfortable into the uncertain, is an act of faith. Faith is not certainty. Faith is the ability to live in and to walk through uncertainty. Might there be a certain comfort in believing we have all the answers? Sure. 
Might there be a certain comfort in believing it is all preordained and we simply have to wait for God to guide our sail and chart our course? Perhaps. Might there be some comfort and certainty that we and no one else can claim capital T truth and capital R right? Yeah, sure. But our faves, our spiritual engagement calls on us to do something much more difficult to make decisions in a world that is not black and white, to recognize that sometimes we have to hold seemingly disparate, entirely contradictory truths at one time, to honor them at the same time, to sit with and to embrace uncertainty and to do our best to discern what it can teach us. Faith is realizing that uncertainty, that mystery, is not just a fact of life, it's a blessing. Uncertainty is a blessing because uncertainty means possibility. Uncertainty then means hope, and uncertainty can mean growth. Marge Piercy, in her book of poetry, The Art of Blessing the Day, shares a powerful poem about confronting uncertainty. The courage to let go of the door, the handle. The courage to leave the place whose language you learned as early as your own. The courage to walk out of the pain that is known into pain that can only be imagined. Out of pain into death or freedom or a different painful dignity. We are all born of wanderers with shoes under our pillows and a memory of blood that is ours raining down. We honor those who change today, those who choose desert over bondage, who walk into the strange and become strangers and give birth to children who can look down on them, standing on their shoulders for having been slaves. We honor those who let go of everything but freedom, who run, who revolt, who fight, who become other by saving themselves. The power of uncertainty is the knowledge that it is a blessing. It is possibility. It is hope. It is growth. It is courage. May we each have the courage to live with and to walk through uncertainty. And may it bring us blessing and immense gratitude on this Thanksgiving and beyond. Amen.